American soccer fans, welcome to episode 41 of the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Donald Wine here, co-manager of Stars and Stripes FC, your source for all things U.S. national teams, the players, and everything else around the beautiful game in this country. She Believes is over. The best team on the planet is the best team that she believes. They win the title. We will talk about all of that. We will also briefly discuss U.S. Soccer's annual general meeting that takes full flight this weekend. But first, we got to discuss the U.S. Soccer jersey that leaked yesterday on Twitter via, of all things, a photo search. Photos of women's national team players modeling the jersey were found via a search on ISI Photos. That's one of the official uh, image sites you can go to along with Getty and USA Today and others. Someone saw these photos through a random search of women's national team players, took a screenshot, and bam, the internet had them. There's an article in Stars and Stripes FC where you can look at the jersey, but to describe it for you guys briefly, it's a zany, dazzle camo design. So here's what we can assume about this. We obviously don't know when they will be released. This seems like because they're taking pictures with the national team that was in Orlando for Shibli's that this is the jersey. We can assume that. We can assume there's not going to be any changes to what you saw on the internet. But since we don't know when they will be released, we can assume they will be used for all of the major competitions this summer and fall on the men's side. That's the Nations League playoffs, that's the Gold Cup, and World Cup qualifying. It is unclear whether the IOC would allow the women to wear this jersey to the Olympics or the men's U23s if they qualify. But if so... This jersey will absolutely be worn for the Olympics with the Federation crest removed due to IOC rules. It would essentially replace the current away jersey. And to me, they look really good. I assume they will carry over the white name sets that the current away jerseys have, so there will be no changes there. But like I mentioned, it's a zany design. I know most of you out there just want to see the Waldos return, and believe me, I have been the conductor of that train since the Waldos first came into existence in 2012. But... Don't be mad at these jerseys because they're not the Waldos. Be mad at the home jersey because the Waldos would be our home identity. For an away jersey, this would definitely be instantly recognizable on the field and on the streets. And I definitely think that when we see the full kit with the numbers, people will fall in love with it. The jersey will have navy shorts, according to the pictures, and navy socks with a red stripe across it to tie in to the tops. But... Assuming this leak is the real one, and I'll never say it's 100% until it's released, but this is a great-looking jersey. Give me a bunch of them. I renew my desire for the Federation to really come up with a jersey identity around the Waldos as our home jersey. Now keep pressing for them to create a jersey identity of any kind that all of us can get behind, and above all, that they stick with it so that it can develop. But 2021 will have a lot of matches. Let's see when these jerseys get released because I think they're a great improvement on our current away jerseys and I'm looking forward to seeing our national teams wear these zany jerseys on the field. Okay, I want to now discuss the best team on the planet, the women's national team. They just completely... They just completed She Believes Cup Wednesday night, and they defend their title. Over the last week, they beat Canada 1-0, Brazil 2-0, and they finished with a 6-0 victory over Argentina. Three wins, nine points in the round-robin tournament, and the She Believes Cup trophy remains theirs. Rose Lavelle was the She Believes Cup MVP, but after the match last night, 
on Wednesday, she mentioned that she thought there were several players that deserved the honors more than her. And everyone knows I love Roosevelt, and she played tremendously during this tournament, but she's right. Here are some of the other players that stood out to me. And of course, Roosevelt is definitely in that conversation. But Crystal Dunn, to me, was the MVP of this tournament. She was everywhere. She was the best player on any field, all fields. She contributed on offense, especially contributed on defense. She had three of her best games to date in a U.S. uniform, and she wasn't even on the final list for MVP. So shame on whoever messed that up because she was right there. Becky Sauerbrunn, as the captain, was supposed to lift the trophy when it was presented on Wednesday night, but the team made sure that Crystal shared a net. That speaks a lot. To say that any honor that she would have received would have been deserved is an understatement. There's not enough accolades for Crystal Dunn. What a tremendous player and a tremendous performance during the She Believes Cup. Kristen Press, also electric during this tournament. Two goals, one against Brazil, the other against Argentina. She was just awesome up top and created so many chances. She probably could have had four or five goals. She was that dangerous on offense. And... She helped out on some defensive efforts as well. She was tracking back. Well-deserved kudos for her performance during the tournament. I know that she was a finalist for MVP. Absolutely deserved on that. And she played outstanding during the tournament. Mega Rapino, she's back. If there's a golden boot for this tournament, she would have won it. She had three goals, one against Brazil, and the first two goals of the match against Argentina. She's back healthy. She's back rested. And she's in full form. Look out, Like here she comes, and that is how dangerous this team can be. Mega Rapino was out for an entire 2020, just about, and is back and picked up like nothing happened, like she was still the best player in the world, because she is one of the best players in the world. Alex Morgan, also back. She scored against Argentina her first goal in over a year. I don't say that as a bad thing, because, you know, she had a baby, there was a pandemic, and she had COVID last month. And in spite of all that, she looks almost all the way back to full fitness and formed and played extremely well when she was on the field. She passes Michelle Akers for fifth all-time on the women's national team goal-scoring list. She has 108 now, plenty more coming from Alex Morgan. Congratulations. And there were so many others that did well. Becky Sauerbrunn, as I mentioned, Mitch Purse, I thought Sophia Smith showed well as the Katarina Macario in her one match. Jalen Howell as well, some of the young kids. It... The reason I point all these players out is this. Vladka was going to have a really tough decision on his hands on who he takes to Tokyo for the Olympics. I don't envy that task. Our B team could be top five in the world. But for now, let's celebrate the best team on the planet winning yet another trophy, taking down three great teams in the process. We will pause for a break, and on the other side, we discuss U.S. soccer governance and end with a nugget about a new podcast and our next episode on this podcast. So stick around. We are back, and U.S. soccer is gathering virtually for its annual general meeting. Now, traditionally, this meeting takes place in a city that rotates every year, and about a 1,000 people attend various sessions, board meetings, and the big meeting on the weekend, the meeting of the National Council. 
It's made up of various state, regional, and national organizations, associations, and even athletes. Well, this year, because of the pandemic, is being conducted virtually, but that doesn't mean that you out there cannot partake in observing the process of this governance. You can attend virtually the U.S. Soccer Board meeting tomorrow. They always have a period that's considered open session where anyone can attend or listen in. So that's on Friday, February 26th. There's also the National Council meeting on Saturday, February 27th, which will be streamed on YouTube and U.S. Soccer's website, so you can watch out there from home. If you head to ussocceragm.com, you can not only register for those events, but they've been hosting sessions all week. And what's great is that they've been uploading some PowerPoint presentations from these sessions on things like diversity and inclusion, their budget, and other major topics. So you can head to that website, again, ussocceragm.com, click on the schedule, and you'll be able to view and download these documents and also register for the open session of the board meeting on Friday. The highlight of the National Council meeting on Saturday will be the vice presidential election. This is for a four-year term. Cindy Parlocone, who was the vice president, she was supposed to serve out the rest of Carlos Cordero's term. He, of course, was president. And now Cindy Parlocone is president after Cordero resigned last March. She will also be on the ballot to fill out the rest of Cordero's term as president, which is up in 2022. She's the only one on that ballot. She's running unopposed. The big presidential election, as I mentioned, is next year. But to the vice presidential election, there are four candidates contesting for the job this year, again, for a four-year term. Kobe Jones, the former men's national team legend and the Hall of Famer. Jim Sadowski, who was president of the D.C. Virginia Soccer Association. Bill Taylor, who was with Idaho Youth Soccer. And Tim Turney, who was vice chair of U.S. Youth Soccer and a member of the board of directors. And what I encourage everyone to do is to take some time over the next couple of days and review their platforms and the responses to questions that they fielded that have been released publicly. I know the Athletes Council has published candidate answers to a questionnaire that they had, and I conducted Q&As for the American Outlaws for three of the four candidates. Those are available on Facebook and YouTube, so take a look at their platforms, learn their positions on their vision for U.S. soccer, and get involved in this process. In any case, head to the AGM website, tune into the board meeting on Friday, and the National Council meeting on Saturday. We all talk about the stuff we want U.S. soccer to change. We all hope and wish that they would move quicker than they do. Well, here's a great opportunity to see that governance at work and what all of these associations and governing bodies are doing to improve the game in this country and how they are falling behind as well. We can figure out everything, but we can't talk about the governing process if we don't tune in and be invested in that process. Before we get out of here, I want to plug a new podcast that I just started that focuses on the confederation that we all reside in and love, and that's CONCACAF. I join my buddies Eric Schmitz and Jonathan Slate to bring you the World of CONCACAF podcast. Each episode, we will focus on a different country within CONCACAF. We'll focus on the national teams, the players, the leagues, the nation's history and food and cuisine, and we'll focus on so much more. And we also will touch on CONCACAF as a whole, things that are going on within the Confederation, players, transactions, anything. It is real fun. It's a fun podcast where you get to learn about our Confederation. 
Episode 1 is now out on Apple Podcasts. It's on Spotify, Google, and Podbean. And that episode, the first one, is on Barbados. So if you're looking for more information on Barbados and throughout the whole process on our quirky confederation, definitely check that out. Promise you, it's a fun podcast. Really excited about it. So definitely check that out. But for now, that will do it for episode 41 of this podcast, the Stars and Stripes FC podcast. Programming note, check back tomorrow as well, as we will have a great interview with Elliot Barr. Elliot is the co-host of the Can I Kick It podcast, and we'll be talking about telling the stories about black soccer players and black soccer history that need to be told. Definitely don't want to miss that interview. Check back Friday afternoon for that. Next week, we will discuss the U23 roster. The preliminary roster is out. It came out a couple of days ago, but it sounds like very soon, and I mean imminent, that we will get news on who will make the initial trip to Mexico for the training camp. So we'll discuss that when that roster comes out so we can know who it is that is in real competition to make that final Olympic qualifying roster. Thanks again for tuning in and listening. Find us, subscribe, and rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And until tomorrow, take care.